Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Wellness Fucking Wednesday with Mix. Sharing my stories on Facebook is where a big part of my journey and my transformation of recovery began. By sharing my experiences, I started to heal and I hoped that it would help others. Here on Wellness Fucking Wednesday, I wanted to share these original Facebook live streams because these messages are still important. I hope you enjoy it, so let's get straight into it. Today, I decided to have a chit chat around drug addiction and my personal journey of recovery. My life before addiction, I was a young mum. I was in a marriage, as some of you know, um, and we had three little babies. We were living in Australia at the time, and our marriage was like any marriage. We had our ups, we had our downs. Um, again, both young, and me as an individual, I felt as though I wasn't very, I wasn't sociable at all. Even though our three babies were in daycare, I don't feel as though I was very sociable with any of the other mums. I think it's safe to say that a priority of mine most definitely wasn't making friends. Um, as far as I was concerned, I had my hands fucking full and entertaining people was not on the agenda. <laughs> my life pretty much was stay at home mum. Um, you know, and when the kids were in daycare, just make sure the house was done, the washing, the cooking and fucking all of that type of stuff. So that was my life. My addiction started in 2013 um, with the death of our 16-month-old son, Alaska. Only a few months before that, our marriage had dissolved and we were living separately. When I found him uh, that morning, my whole life changed. Initially, after he died, I turned immediately to alcohol. Um, and that was because it was easy for me to access. When I was taking the alcohol, I was literally passing out. I was drinking until I was, I couldn't talk and I was spewing everywhere and things like that. And I had turned to the alcohol just to fucking numb um, everything that was going on because there was a lot of things going on. I felt like an absolute fucking failure. I felt like a failure to my marriage and now I felt like a failure uh, as a mother that couldn't protect her own fucking child. Um, and I just would drink until I fucking passed out. Not long after that, I was able to find myself some methamphetamine and I started to take that and what I realized is it wiped the slate clean so no longer did I feel like a failure. In fact, I didn't feel like anything. I felt numb and that is what became addictive to me was the fact that I was absolutely numb to any type of emotion, um, to any acknowledgement of my reality and I pretty much became a zombie. Um, I couldn't cry. I couldn't, yeah, and, and that's what I became addicted to. 
The consequences of that decision, however, came quite swiftly. Uh, eight months into me using my children's father at the time, he he just was like, fuck this, I'm not letting our other children see this person that you're be fucking becoming. You're becoming a zombie, you're becoming somebody that our children don't even recognise. Um, by now, I was absolute skin and bone. Um, I was doing all sorts of things to get the money to fund my habits so that I would continue to have that, that clean slate. I easily became very dependent on having that, that zombie-like state where I felt no emotions. Like I said, the consequences were my, my children's father picked the kids up in Australia and brought them back to New Zealand. It could have done two things to me. It could have snapped me out of my shit and made me realize, wow, what am I doing, you know? Or it could have sent me spiraling even more and I took that route. The best way to describe it is it was like I fell down and I had the choice to either stand up or to keep myself down on the ground and I chose that for the next five years. My rock bottom um, came when I ended up in jail in Melbourne. As I was sitting in that jail cell, I was thinking to myself, how the fuck did I get here? Like, you know, for 27 years of my life, I was going to say I hadn't been in trouble with the police, but I had for fines and, and things like that, but nothing like to the extent of drug paraphernalia, fucking fraud, um, you know, stolen vehicles, stolen property, and now armed robbery. Like, as I'm sitting in that cell, I'm thinking, man, I've got no family. You know, I've, I've lied and, and cheated my family. I've pushed them away. Nobody's looking for me because, you know, they've probably given up on me because um, they can never get through or they can never fucking find me because I'm always on the go and I don't stay in touch with anybody. So I'm sitting here. I've got no one looking for me. I've got no one that gives a fuck about me. I've got no drugs that's going to help me to keep uh, all that trauma and all that pain under the blanket, so to speak. And I've got to sit here and face the fucking bite the bullet. And I've got to face my demons, you know. And the other thing is as well is my children, they don't even know where their fucking mother is. They haven't even, I haven't even spoken to any of my children, you know. And here they are living in another fucking country, all of my kids. And their mother's sitting over here in jail. I've said this over and over, jail saved my life. And there's not too many people that say that about jail, um, but I most definitely am one. I needed to go to jail. And the reason that I needed it so bad is because I needed a fucking rest. I needed to be absolutely cut off from drugs. And when I got to Melbourne, I knew nobody there. 
Um, so when I got to jail, I, I didn't have any connections or networks or anything like that. So I had to straighten up. And it was the best thing that ever fucking happened to me because it, it made me finally have a clear mind after five years. The first important step of my recovery was identifying the reason as to why I felt like I needed drugs in my life. And I had to take it all the way back to the start. Um, and I, as I'm sitting in that cell, I'm thinking to myself, you know, fucking hell, man, I went 27 years without feeling as though I needed drugs, like without being dependent on any type of substance. And then I was thinking, man, the only reason I fucking started turning to this substance was because I couldn't deal with this traumatic event. And so I was thinking to myself, so I started taking this substance to act as some type of blanket to shield me from the pain that this traumatic event was was giving me. And so I thought, maybe if I, now that I don't have drugs, now I'm in jail and I don't have this blanket to shield me from that pain, maybe if I just sit here and actually feel this pain, and actually acknowledge this reality and this hurt and deal with it, maybe it might dissolve away. And if it dissolves away, because I've dealt with it, then maybe when I get out of jail, I won't need to go looking for a blanket because there's nothing for the blanket to hide me from. It's not like I was taking methamphetamine or I started taking methamphetamine just because for the fucking hell of it. I was taking it for a fucking reason to shield me from this pain. But maybe if I deal with this pain, I won't need methamphetamine to shield me from anything. And so that, while I'm sitting in jail, after five years of being absolutely cooked, that was the start of me coming up with a plan on how I was going to attack my journey of recovery from drug addiction. The second step of my recovery in jail was staying busy. So I had a job in jail. I had gotten a job in jail. I had started a little bit of a routine and a bit of a structure. So for example, the doors of our cells opened at 7am in the mornings and so I would wake up at about 6 o'clock in the morning and my, my routine was get up, have a shower straight away, make a cup of tea in my cell, um, sit down, start writing for a little bit, drink my cup of tea, do my, um, you know, once the doors open, do our cell check and things like that and then I'd grab me an apple and go and walk up and post some letters um, in the post box and then go for a walk around the oval and then back to my cell I'd wait for a little bit and then I'd go to my job so you know after five years of not having routine not having structure I finally had this like a little um routine and I was loving it and because I was I had set these little things up for myself 
I wasn't even thinking about drugs and thinking about mummy and, and things like that because I had to think about what was next on my to-do list. When I got out of jail, I had to go to court. I was on bail for, um, you know, six months, a six-month bail program. And I went to, I remember going to my first court case when I got out of jail and I said to the judge, I need your fella's help. Because when I was in jail, I was doing really well. And the judge said, what were you doing? I said, I was always at the gym. I was living at the gym and it was helping me with staying um, focused and staying sober and not thinking about drugs. So I need your guys' help to get me into a gym. I said, I also had a job in jail. So I need your guys' help to get me a job. Um, and they did. Because I asked for it. They got me a membership. The court paid for me a membership at a gym. And they also got me a voluntary job working at Second Chance Cafe outside of Sunshine Courthouse in Melbourne. It was it. I was fucking set to go because I was constantly busy. I had a routine and I had structure. The third important step for me on my recovery was getting the fuck out of Australia. My whole drug journey was in Australia. Um, and so the best way for me to make that happen was to behave. And so for those months that I was on my bail program, I did whatever the judge told me to do. Nicola, go to drug and alcohol counselling. Okay, sweeties. I can't get there. Can you help me out with a train ticket? Boom, help me out. <laughs> I was asking him for fucking everything for no straight up. Um, and you know, go to work. I was going to work so that I could start raping them for references, for good references to give to the judge to say, man, I am doing good. Let me go home. And three months into my six month bail program, that's exactly what happened. The judge, I remember that court date. Um, and I had all these references from my lawyer, from my bail, um, I, officer from my drug and alcohol counselor from my boss at, that i was at the job that i was volunteering at and my references were fucking glowing and i remember standing there in court and the judge said nicola i've never done this before um but i am if you get a one-way ticket back to new zealand i'm gonna let you leave australia and I was like, oh, well, can't I come back? No. <laughs> um, and I came home to New Zealand. And the reason I was so happy about that is because in New Zealand, I knew nobody that had drugs. It was like an absolutely clean slate for me to reinvent myself, to become the person that I wanted to be, knowing that... We can never be the person that we were before we took drugs. That's impossible. Um, and obviously, I didn't want to be the person that I was while I was on drugs. So coming back to New Zealand, I was like, shit, this is an opportunity for me to be the person that I most want to be. I can, if I don't like something about me, I don't have to bring that trait into the person that I am going to create. I want good shit. I want positive shit in my life. 
and and this is what I wanted to say to anyone that was thinking about giving up the drugs or their addiction or whatever is we get to recreate and become the the person that we most want to be that's that's the awesome part about recovery is that we take a little bit of the the you know traits and that that we were before we were on drugs we take all the street skills and the street smart shit that we learn being in the drug world because you know what i'm talking about um and then when we come over here we get to create this brand new person that's street smart book smart all of it. Do I keep in touch with anybody from that part of my life? The answer is no. I have no intentions of making contact with anyone that I knew at that through those years in my life. The reason being is they only knew the drugged up me. My name wasn't even Nix, it was Jade. I felt as though me being in the drug world and doing all the outrageous things that you do when you're in that world, I needed another name because that was, if I was to use my real name, that was bringing shame and dishonor to my name. Anyways, I came up with a persona and plus, you know, when you're in that type of world, um, your, your main, like an unwritten rule is leave your personal shit at the front door. And it's not because no one wants to hear it. It's because you don't want anyone using your personal shit or going after your family and things of that nature. So as an unwritten type of rule, leave that shit at the fucking door and then you can go in and take care of your business. With that being said, my five years in the drug world, people knew Jade. They didn't know Nix. And I just feel as though, because of, you know, four years of sobriety and my whole life has absolutely changed, these people don't know this, this me. And as far as I'm concerned, fucking leave it there. Do I have any triggers? I definitely do. I actually, to this day, even four years later, I don't watch any type of movies that have drug dealing or have drugs or anything like that. Um, reason being is it starts triggering me off to back in those years and I start, it can stick with me for ages where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about some of my experiences that I've had, um, you know, with guns and shotguns held to my head and fucking, you know, and so when I watch movies um, of that nature, you know, it, the movie only lasts for fucking one hour or whatever, but the constant reliving of those memories and things like that can last me for ages and I just don't put myself into that situation. In terms of my past, um, obviously it's not something to be proud of, but I'm proud of the outcome. Um, you know, I I feel as though, yes, I was gone and, and um, you know, I wasn't around my children and things like that for five years. 
it easily could have been 20 years. I've met a lot of people in the game that had been in the game for fucking 30, 40, 50 years and hadn't spoken to their children or their family, hadn't seen their family or anything like that. So as much as I'm, I'm, um, you know, not happy about the time that was kind of snatched away from my children, um, I've got the rest of their lives to make up for that. And I do so every day. And in terms of regrets, I don't regret what I went through. Uh, at that time, it, that was the only way for me. It was the only option that I could see at the time after, um, you know, dealing with the loss of my son. And, you know, everyone could say anything. Oh, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have. But I just feel like it's always different when your ass is sitting in the seat, in the front seat. Um, and as they say, there's no manual for how to deal with the loss of a child. Everyone goes through things differently. And that's just how I, I went through that. Do I regret um, going through that? No, but what I do regret is hurting my family. Now I have a profound love for myself and I respect myself. And yeah, I, I just feel like I, I wouldn't have come to that type of conclusion had I not gone through that so I also have a massive appreciation for life and I'm just so grateful to be where I am today um, having a lovely partner being a stepmom to you know my partner's boys and um, having a really awesome you know co-parenting relationship with the children's father and also a fucking awesome relationship with my own family that I once upon a time pushed away before I finish this I just want to say giving up my addiction drug addiction was one of the hardest fucking things that I have ever done in my entire life but at the same time it is one of the most rewarding things that I have ever done in my life and I just wanted to say to anyone that has given up um, fucking good on you I hope you're absolutely proud of yourself you know what the fuck I'm talking about when I say that it was very very hard and to anyone who is thinking about giving up, um, you'll get there. Hard out, you'll get there. Make a plan. Make a plan. There's a there's a saying and it says um, the first thing that you should do if you don't want to return to the island is burn the fucking boats. Put yourself first. Put your recovery first. Um, and your whanau and your children will benefit from you making that decision. Alright guys, that's me for today. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and I'll see you next week on Wellness Fucking Wednesday with Max.